Christianity is absurd. Like, think about it. At the core, the core belief of Christianity is that an ancient Jewish peasant from in the first century in ancient Middle East claimed to be God. And then he was crucified by the Roman occupiers, but was raised from the dead days later, conquering both sin and death. And not only that, but because he was raised, we will be raised from the dead forever. It's an absurd idea that billions of people for the last 2,000 years have held to, have been united by, and have had their lives transformed by. But even if it's true, and even for those who truly believe it is, it really raises other questions, other issues. What does it mean to be resurrected? Does it, and does it really even matter? Like how, how can us being resurrected in the future actually help me, help my life now? How does it have any effect on what I care about now? My job, my family, my school, my relationships? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. So let's talk about it together. There's an old saying that goes, uh, Christians are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Why does that saying ring so true so often? I think it's because many people simply see Christianity as a way, and perhaps one of the many ways, to become more spiritual. See, we might say it's about a personal relationship with Jesus but often that really just becomes simply a personal, internal, spiritual experience, right? We, we want to escape the evil world around us. We want to escape evil and pain and sin. And we want to make God happy with us. So we focus on this vague idea of being spiritual. And of course, we all have our, our own definitions of, of what spiritual looks like. Definitions that make us feel good while making others feel unable to measure up, right? And this pursuit of, of spiritual actually distracts us from, from the people and the real needs around us. Almost gives us an excuse not to deal with it. We don't, we don't see the needs, that, we don't see the need to make the world better now. Because, you know, that stuff around us, it's, it's just the physical world. It's not the real, important, spiritual world that we're all trying to attain somehow. This idea really isn't, isn't new. It kind of happens at the beginning of the story of Christianity. Because the same thing happened in the Roman city of Corinth around A.D. 55. The Corinthians were really getting all hyped up on being spiritual and, and having these spiritual experiences of speaking in tongues and prophesying and maybe doing some healing and that type of stuff. And they were thinking that they had obtained some kind of special level of spirituality. And they believed that the, the physical matter really only was a hindrance from true spirituality. So focusing on physical needs and stuff kept us from really being spiritual. And they said, let's, 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 focus, let's focus on spiritual things and, and wait for the day all this physical stuff is destroyed. And because they were so fixated on spirituality, they rejected the belief that Jesus would actually raise people from the dead. They're like, why would he raise these nasty physical bodies? That's not very spiritual. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes them a letter to kind of set them straight. 
And as we saw in the other episodes, he first reminds them of the core historical fact of Jesus' death and resurrection, and then explains that because Jesus rose from the dead, that proves we will also rise from the dead. And then he says, not only will we be raised, but we will be transformed. And it's in this transformation that we find true spirituality. See, Jesus doesn't provide us with a detached spiritual experience. He transforms us now and forever. And Paul talks about it in the, we call it the book, it's the letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to look at verses 35 through 58. So if you have a Bible, grab it because there's a lot here and I want you to be able to kind of follow along or use the app, whatever works for you. See, because sometimes, and I get this, reading what the Apostle Paul wrote really is like trying to read Shakespeare in high school. It You kind of get it, but it's like, you're what? And you have to read it three times. So I'm going to do my best to try to break it down for all of us as we kind of go through this huge idea that Paul presents. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or, or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. See, the Corinthians... We're like, we're raised from the dead. Like, how is that even possible? Like, what kind of bodies, what will our bodies be like? Will they be like zombies? Gross. And what if we're, what if we're burned? Do the ashes like come back and we're kind of gray? Or what if we're, what if we're eaten by a lion? How does that even happen? How do we resurrected? And Paul's like, that's a foolish question. Which at first, when I read that, I'm like, well, no, that actually seems like a, a good question to me. Right? Like, like, what's it like? Well, it's foolish, Paul's saying, because there's examples all over the place. They're kind of, Paul's saying, look, you're you're overthinking it. You're, you're complicating things. You're probably try, even trying to complicate things, so you don't really have to believe it. So it fits your narrative, right? And don't we do that? Do we try to be spiritual when we overcomplicate things? He's saying, it's, it's simple. Our, our resurrection is like a seed. And a seed is just a seed, but when you put it in the ground, it, it dies. But then... God raises it into something completely transformed. And a plant that sprouts from a seed is directly linked to that seed. It's, it's like it in some sense, but it's always remarkably different from the seed. And think about it. He says it's a fool's question because really resurrection and transformation is the main theme of the natural world. And I know that's more of a philosophic poetic idea than, than scientific. So you science people, relax. But if you think about it philosophically, right, you look at nature, the, the main theme is, is resurrection and, and transformation. That's what nature does. And then Paul goes even further and he says, there's different types of bodies. Everything in the universe has its own body designed for its purpose and, and the environment it finds itself in. Plants are that way. Animals are that way, even people. And then he goes even further. He says, even the, the sun and, and the moon and the stars have their own type of radiance. right? They have their own type of light that they project to the world. There, there's a differentiation between these different bodies. It's like we have gas giants and moons and, and whatever the heck Pluto is. They're all different types of bodies, but they're all glorious, but different. And he says, it's the same with humans. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. 
Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They're buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. He's saying humans, and this might seem weird, but humans have different types of bodies. We have our original physical body, and then the one that will come from it, a transformed spiritual body. And what our bodies are now is the seed, right? And one day God will raise them as bodies, but gloriously different bodies. These current earthly bodies are under the effects of sin. They die. They're they're broken. They're weak. But our spiritual bodies will be eternal. They'll be glorious. They'll be strong. They will be spiritual bodies designed to live spiritual lives, living face to face with God, living in and under God's perfect rule, as we talked about back when we talked about verse 28, if you want to go back there for a second. And then Paul explains, just as we have inherited a physical body from the first human, Adam, we will be given a heavenly body by the second man, the second representation of humanity. See, Jesus is the first new person of humanity because he was resurrected from the dead. He's the first fruits See, first comes the physical body, right, the seed, and then comes the spiritual body, the plant. These earthly bodies must be changed because they were made to exist in our current world. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. He's basically saying, look, whatever you might think about your current spirituality, it's nothing compared to what we will all be. Whatever you're trying to do to be spiritual or have that detached spiritual experience right now, though it's not not necessarily bad, but it's not what makes you truly spiritual. And it doesn't make you better than anyone Paul says. See, true spirituality is the result of being transformed by Jesus. And Paul says, we will all be transformed into spiritual beings with spiritual bodies designed to live with God himself in his eternal kingdom. That's when we will be truly spiritual. And so we ask natural question, okay, well, how and like, like when, how, when does this happen? It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. I just love people. You're like, well, how and when's this going to happen? And he's just like vague and simple. Like, when's it going to happen? He's like, relax. It'll happen at the end. Whenever that is. So chill out. It will happen. And he says those who have already died will be raised and transformed in their new heavenly bodies. And those who are alive, whenever that is, will be transformed in the blink of an eye. (laughs) Very interesting. And so that is the what will happen. And now he's, he's going to talk about like what that really means. And he takes the Corinthians back to the core truth. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. 
O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when when all creation is restored and transformed, we will all be free from, from the force that is constantly chasing every living thing, death. And not only is death defeated, like it's so much better than that. Death is obliterated. It is swallowed up in Jesus's victory. See, the reality is death in reality is powerless over life. We think it's the other way around. We think that, that life happens and then inevitably death wins. But that's not true because Jesus obliterated death. So in reality, death is powerless over life. Just like light is, is more powerful than darkness. Darkness is powerless over light. You ever have a completely dark room and then you turn on the flashlight? Dark can't do anything to that light, right? There's nothing that can stop the light from shining in the darkness. And it's the same with life. Death is powerless over life. And because of all of this, and here is the main point. This is the so what of all of this us rising from the dead type of thing. Because it's it's not to hide and, and get as spiritual and, and biblically knowledgeable as possible. And, and, and then wait for this end to happen. That's not the point of what Paul's talking about. Here is the main point. So, my dear brothers and sisters. He says, so. Like, here's the thing. So, my dear brothers and sisters. Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. He says, be strong and immovable. And we're like, yeah, I got to stand up for my Christian rights. No, he's not saying be closed-minded jerks. (laughs) He's saying, hold on to what you know. Go back to that first core truth, that Jesus' death and resurrection actually is a historical event. And hold on to what that proves, that everything will one day be under God's rule and that we also will be transformed. See, we will be transformed and we are being transformed. That's the main point. See, it's this already not yet idea that happens so much in the New Testament scriptures. This, we're, we're already this, but we're not yet fully there. We, we are this new creation, those who are in Jesus. We are this new creation, but are not yet entirely what that will actually be. But what that means is we can now, right now, start living as spiritual people because being spiritual isn't having inside knowledge or powers. It's living in and for the kingdom of God now. Your life, your choices, your mindset is led by and permeated by God and his will. That's what that means. When, we, when Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, it's the same idea. Your kingdom come now and in the future. Your will be done on earth in me and through me as it is in heaven. See, being spiritual means living as Jesus, in the will of God, in his direction, in his care, allowing his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all that to come through us now. That's why he says, work enthusiastically. Live as a transformed citizen of God's kingdom now. And while we have these earthly bodies, there is work to do. 
there's work to do. What's that work? To love your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus loved you. To show them who Jesus is through your love. Someday, our work will be finished. And we will see that it's all of it has been more than worth it. And that is why the absurd core truth of Christianity is the most important truth. Because it transforms every aspect of our life now. See, when we trust Jesus' death and resurrection, that and the fact that we can rise again, it transforms our perspective. It transforms our motivation. It transforms our purpose. And there's a new life placed in us. It's, it's Jesus' life. It's, it's his Holy Spirit that empowers us and enables us to truly live in the spiritual kingdom of God, to live the spiritual life now. See, when we live that true spiritual life, when we are being transformed we become better spouses. We become better friends, better employees, better employers, better parents. Whatever you are, you become better at it because it's Jesus working through you, working enthusiastically through you. Because we begin to live our lives, our transformed lives now. See, knowing we have eternal life now makes us better at life now. And I know it's, it's a crazy idea, right? What seems the most absurd idea in the world, actually, if you think about it, is the most logical, the most powerful, and the most most life-changing truth in the world. And God gave us examples all around us for a reason, because it's the foundational truth of the universe, that there is a God who created us. There is a God who loves us. There is a God who who came to earth and lived in a physical body and he physically died and rose from the dead, obliterating the power of sin and death. And he promises to also raise us when we trust him to rescue us and transform us. And we see this truth everywhere, right? The seeds that turn, that go into the ground and die and, and turn into trees. The winter that in Oregon eventually turns into spring. And he offers this life to everyone. An eternal life that starts now and lasts forever. This life, it's available through through a simple and profound and even single choice to trust Jesus, to forgive you, to rescue you, to transform you, to to experience that life, to, to accept that life. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I choose to trust you with my life now and forever. You can do that while you're watching, while you're listening. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to transform my life now and forever. And he will. And so the question for all of us really is, what is the core truth of my life? What is the core truth of your life? Is it to look out for number one because nobody else will? Is it, uh, well, the truth is out there somewhere, but who really knows? Or, man, I I hope things work out for me someday. I'm doing my best. Hope it works out. Really, if that's the core truth of your life, that only creates fear or emptiness or, or empty selfishness, even regret. But the core truth of your life could be the historical fact of Jesus's death and resurrection. See, this core truth is what truly transforms lives now and forever. 
So if that is not the core truth of your life, why not? What evidence would you need to convince you? What's stopping you from making that the core of your life? And if it is, if you say it is the core truth of your life, are you living like it? Like, what are you enthusiastically working at for your king? Where is your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of that needed? Where is it needed? And where is it being used to transform the world around you? That's what it means to be spiritual, to live for and in the kingdom of God now, to bring the kingdom of God to earth now. Knowing that nothing we truly do for the king will ever actually be useless. I mean, think about it. What would it be like? What would it be like personally that that is your core truth? That no matter what happens, you know you are trusting your king who died and rose again, who will raise you again, and that nothing you do for him is useless. How would that change your personal life? How would that change your family? How would that change our community, our country, our world right now? We were living for the actual real kingdom and being transformed daily instead of just trying to create our own individual kingdoms. See, I am not exaggerating to make a point right now. This life is available to every person watching and listening. Because here's the thing. The absurd truth of Jesus' resurrection is the foundation of the life we are all longing for now and forever. watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church in Salem for Salem for you, inviting you to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together. We are releasing this episode a day early, just in case you need a way to celebrate Easter. We're having an Easter Eve service on Saturday, April 16th at 4.30. There will be an Easter egg hunt for the kids after dinner. We'll also blossom the cross, have a short message, um, it'll just be a great time together. We like to gather on the second and fourth Sundays, which means there's another gathering coming up in April on the 24th. It'll be at 4.30, it's a pizza party. We'll have our usual sing a few songs together. We'll take communion, listen to a message, um, and it'll just be a great time to be together. In May, we'll gather on the second and fourth Sundays as well, so mark the calendar for those events. If you're a middle schooler or high schooler, we have Youth Connect happening on the first and third Sundays of the month at Soy Gateway Foursquare Church. And those are at 5 o'clock p.m., dinner included, small group time, and games. If you're a middle school or high schooler, it's a great time for you to come check that out. Also coming in May, we'll have another For Salem challenge for you. But in the meantime, it's not too late to support Judson Middle School and the clothing closet that Gateway Foursquare Church has built there. So we're trying to fill it up with hoodies, uh, sweatpants, shorts, body wash. It's on the Amazon wish list, uh, but you can also go shopping yourself. There's a QR code on the screen, or you can check out the description. Thanks so much for watching this. Thanks for listening, podcasters. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We'll have a new series coming up for you next week. Sorry, guys. I didn't mean to throw you down like that. <laughs> Do they even slowly disappear? <laughs>